0: Uh, there was a story, uh, I think it was about a year ago, that went viral. Uh, it was about a woman who um, bought a house plant. Now, she didn't uh, really know how to raise plants. She doesn't, doesn't have like a green, was it thumb or whatever, anything like that. But she decided to try it out, and so she bought a house plant. It was a succulent, right, which is a, just like a small little houseplant and, and she read all the books she read all the articles she watched youtube videos about how to take care of it and so she got it and the minute she got it she did everything in her power to keep it alive right so she would uh, make sure to water it she she didn't water she misted right she misted it and then she would wipe uh, the leaves with a, a towel a damp towel to make sure it wasn't overly drenched she would uh, rotate it little by little to make sure that all parts had sun uh, she even spoke to it because she read that, that that was a good thing to do so she would sing she would she would talk to it and she was so happy because this succulent this plant was it was it was doing well it was thriving about six months later her friend comes over and her she's showing her friend like all of her you know her house and whatever and she looks at the plant and the friend kind of goes closer touches it and says uh you know that this plant is fake right Uh, you see the entire time this lady uh, was caring for a plant that she thought was alive but in actuality was absolutely and completely fake you see in this passage we come to this church Uh, it was in the city of Sardis and and from the outside it looked it looked pretty good it looked it looked alive it seemed like it was thriving for the most part or it had done so many great things in the past and so it had a really good reputation but at closer glance right when you look a little bit deeper in there and maybe other people couldn't really see but but Jesus could he he looked a little bit closer into that church and he realized that even though it looked like it was alive in actuality this church was completely dead see the emphasis that jesus is putting upon this church in particular is that they were dead spiritually see the the church today is meant to be alive is meant to be filled with the holy spirit It's meant for lives to change it's meant for things to happen it's it's meant for for the living god to dwell here within the room of believers but but this church was dead this church had a semblance of being alive this church maybe before in in a previous time was doing really well it was it was hanging on to the gospel it was really thriving in those areas and yet what it says now was that even though you look like you are alive you are actually a fake church in actuality you are a dead church it's similar to Matthew 21 19 where jesus he's looking at this plant and he says look they it has leaves and it seems like it's doing well but when you look a little bit closer you realize that there's no fruit being produced don't be fooled by that just because it looks like it's doing well doesn't actually mean that it's alive doesn't actually mean that it's a part of me this is a scary word for this church And what we know about the seven churches is that a lot of these different things can apply to the church today, can apply to our church too. And so I pray that as we go through this together, that it would be something that you would really kind of look into and and really uh, look into for our church and, and for yourself in particular. There's three things that we're going to be looking at. The first is the condemnation, the second is the hope, and the third is the command. You see, Sardis, it, it was a really rich city. Uh, it was the capital city of uh, the Lydian kingdom, which is modern-day Turkey, right? And there was a, a legend, right? Because there was a river that was going through that city uh, that was so full of gold that whenever you kind of look through it and you mind that there would always be gold, so they said that even King Midas went to go bathe in that water because it was just so rich because there was just so much money there. See, Sardis was uh, one of the focal points where there were five trade routes that converged. And so what we would know about the city was that a lot of wealth would be going in and out, and there would be a lot of travelers and a lot of people going all over the place there. And so what, would, what happened with Sardis is that they had so much wealth that was accumulated that they ended up, um, what was it, they had a they, there was a hill on the city and there was this huge hill so they accumulated all their main wealth and they placed it on top of this hill in the main part of the city and the rest of the city was below them and so what happened was this hill would be a thousand feet above the rest of the city and so they were so proud of this because they built this wall and it was just so high up and so it was considered the most impenetrable city out there now what was interesting was that even though the city was considered impenetrable even though the city was considered in- unconquerable uh, in its history it was conquered twice in the same exact way You see both times what happened was that the enemy army would wait until nightfall and at nightfall they would send soldiers to go climb the walls and after this arduous journey all the way to the top these soldiers would be exhausted right so they wouldn't really be able to fight but they ended up climbing it but when they ended up climbing to the very top of the wall what they realized was that these walls were unguarded the king had so much confidence in the walls the king was so overly confident that he didn't place any guards on the wall surrounding the city And so the enemy would climb up the wall, get to the top, realize there weren't any guards, and conquer the city that way. And this happened two times. I'm telling you this because I believe the city of Sardis, it really truly mimics the mindset of this church. Because the church had done really well. You can infer that from the language there. It had a reputation of being good i had a reputation of being alive what we can imagine is that when this church started in the beginning in its heyday man it was things were kind of bopping things were doing really well people were being saved they were really going out and, and evangelizing they were really loving the lord and they were spreading the gospel and and people's lives were were really changing they had built a good system they had brought others to christ and yet what ended up happening was that they had now become complacent and what happens when they became complacent was that they had let their guard down and because this church had let its guard down satan had pinpointed its weakness put sin into that place and destroyed it from within I believe that this is the same exact thing that that Satan does to you and me. Satan will see the places where our guard is down. And it will be in that very area that he will bring temptation. Think about it. In the beginning, when you are on fire for the Lord, there is no temptation, there is nothing there that will ever penetrate. And yet it is when things become difficult, when your life becomes hard, when, when everything else starts to break around you, that is when Satan will know the areas of your life where you're weakest, and he will bring temptation in those areas to draw you away from Christ. It's not coincidence when temptation happens when you're having marital problems. It's not coincidence when temptation happens when you're not doing well in school and it's not coincidence when you're tempted to sin when your life is not going well those things are on purpose because satan is smart be careful because that is when you are most vulnerable for the church of sardis they were doing well before They had a reputation of spiritual growth. They had a reputation of being alive. They were a church that loved and followed after Christ. But over time, they had let their guard down. And that was when their spiritual lives had died. And I think this is our our really cry for this church as well, because we have to always be vigilant. The fact of the matter here is that they were dead because man these this church was sleeping this church didn't realize that satan was creeping into their territory into their church and unless we keep our eyes open unless we stay awake unless we are always in that ready posture it is going to be so easy for satan to enter in and to break relationships cause division and cause gossip For this church the condemnation comes straight away there's no praise in the beginning there's nothing good that jesus says he goes straight away into it because he knows how important it is in verse one he says i know your works you have the reputation of being alive but you are dead sardis was a dead church a church is dead when it stops proclaiming the gospel and cares more about the world Death happens to a church when it stops believing in the truths of the Bible and cares more about being part of the world. There's a distinction that needs to be made, brothers and sisters, is that there is a clear difference between the church and the world. And a lot of times when you see a church that is indistinguishable from the world, all that simply means is that that church is part of the world there is a clear line between christians and non-christians and when you see christians who are indistinguishable from non-christians the answer is really simple there it means that they are part of the world there has to be a difference there is a holiness set there there's a there's a motivation of your heart that if you're a christian you are striving constantly toward This is a warning that Jesus gives us. A true church is one that is spiritually alive and set apart from this world. But when a church forgets the gospel, when it begins to tolerate sin, when it begins to think more about what the world thinks and less about what Jesus thinks, then you no longer have a church. You have a fake one disguised as a real one you know in the book of Judges there's this uh, figure named Samson and he's born during this really dark period of Christian history and he's meant to be this hero and in the beginning he really is a hero he goes out and in the name of the Lord he conquers all of these different people in battle he's this really strong Herculean type of figure And it says that the Lord was with him in all that he did. And he trusted in the Lord first. And he was victorious in everything that he did. But something happens to him. Samson, he begins to fall into sin. And he begins to fall into different temptations. And he begins to fall more into what the world tells him to do. And so he starts thinking less of God. He starts caring more about the world. And sooner sooner and sooner and sooner he falls deeper into sin and he disobeys God's commands and what happens is that he becomes indistinguishable from non-Christians from the people around him and one day it says in the Bible that he's confronted with something where he knows he needs God's help in and so what he does is he once again like long time ago he calls upon the Lord But the Bible says, he did not know the Lord had departed from him. What a scary statement. On the outside, he looked like the same Samson. He seemed like he was fine. But on the inside, the Lord had left him. Church, I hope that this is a wake-up call to us because people around you don't know who you really are on the inside on the outside everyone looks good everyone looks like they're doing okay you can fool the people near you but Jesus knows how you really are Jesus knows your true spiritual state and now is the time for you to repent and turn back if you have not been following after Christ. For Samson, the result was that he was defeated, was that when the Lord had left him, he was imprisoned and he later was killed. And what we know is that this is an illustration of the church in Sardis. It was a church that was once strong and led by the Lord, but sooner than later, it began to compromise on its values. It began to tolerate sin, and therefore it became weak and eventually died. We have to be careful never to compromise on what we believe. For Christians, we have one firm foundation. It is the word of God that's it there's nothing else and if we stray away from what God is telling us here then what will happen is that we will begin to resemble the world and we will become a dead church and when we call upon the Lord for something man I don't know if God is going to answer us in that moment just for an illustration there was an article about a church in the dmv area and it was having a uh it was on the news because it was having a christian marriage ceremony for a gay couple and it was it was really sad disheartening to read because more and more you become you start to understand this passage because it's so easy to begin compromising our faith our faith in the bible to believe in what the world says and i think that if we don't stay careful it is so easy to lose our bearings if we don't stay vigilant it is so easy to forget the gospel and if we're not constantly on edge then what satan will do is he will come into these little areas of weaknesses into our lives and he's going to begin to break apart those things so that we begin to question what the bible says and we begin to trust more upon the world you know for this passage i think jesus is really speaking to us on an individual and on a corporate level it's as a church i think it's easy and possible to forget why god has set us up in the first place it's easy to forget that uh, of what we were originally built for now, we, we can set up all of these different activities, we can set up all of these different events and, and do everything else, but I want you to know that there's only one goal for us, that there's only one thing that we were meant to do as a church, and it's to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. That's it. Everything else is to support that. Everything else is meant to kind of supplement it. But the minute that we forget that, even if they're good things, even if, if one of our goals is to focus upon family, to focus upon mission work, upon, upon every, everything else, those things are good, and yet when we forget our main point, our main point of existence here as a church, then we forget everything. For us at Shining Star Community Church, I hope for you that you would continue to push this church, push the members, push the leadership, into really trusting in the Lord and saying, look, our first priority, my first priority is to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to the ends of the world. On the individual level, I think it's important for us to ask ourselves, am I spiritually asleep? have I put my desire to be a part of this world on a higher level than my desire to love God and to be holy is holiness is being set apart for the Lord truly my goal or is me just being a part of this world and just just living my life here and just kind of being in this temporary mindset is that my goal and that's something we really have to decipher within our own hearts for the church of Sardis Jesus says that they were dead. However, there is some hope. Verse 4 says, "Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy." Jesus here is describing the very few who are still faithful to him. These garments you see they were they weren't just a mem- they weren't meant to represent simply clothes they were a symbolic gesture a reference to one's character you see even though the church had completely mixed with the world and therefore had forsaken its character there were some who had not changed their christian character there were some who were still willing to stay set apart for christ and i know that for some of us that can sound a bit disheartening because a lot of us have fallen and a lot of us have some flaws and and a lot of dirtiness within our own Christian character but here's the thing the Bible says that too Isaiah 64 6 says that all of our righteousness is like filthy rags therefore when Jesus says that white garments is like Christian character he's talking about people who understand that their character is filthy but that they trust and follow after Jesus Christ who cleanses their character. That's what he's talking about. True believers are not people who do everything perfectly. Of course not. That's not me. That's not you. True Christians, true believers are those people who know that they have sinned, who know that they are flawed, who know that they are broken, and yet trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to cover their sins who say Jesus I believe and trust in you and what you have done on the cross and as a response to that I am going to do my best to be set apart for your holiness. I'm going to be set apart because I want to follow after your commands. I know that you love me and I love you and I want to do my best not so that I can earn a way into heaven but as simply a response for all that you have done for me. Your death on the cross is the greatest gift of my life. And therefore, as this simple act of obedience, I'm going to live my life for you. Our desire is to live a life holy and blameless before the Lord and before others. This is the hope. And after Jesus goes on to talk about these things he finally he gives us some commands that we can follow. And these are commands that even for you if you are if you are spiritually asleep this is for you. If you are spiritually hopeful and doing well this is also for you. Because here are the commands the first one is in verse two. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up and be alert. Stop being indifferent about your sin. Cut out the people that you need to cut out. Stop doing the things that you should not be doing. Wake up. When it says to wake up, what it means is that many of us are asleep. Some of us need to wake up and we need to make an assessment of our lives. We need to wake up and debrief our lives. We need to wake up and and look at the and and just look at our lives and see the way that it's going. And if we need to change, then we need to change. If there's people we need to cut out, then we need to cut them out. If there's things that we need to stop doing, we have to stop doing them. See where you are. Be a man or be a woman, and turn the other way. The second command is this strengthen what remains and is about to die in other words look back on your life see what godly values you do have left and stick on to them hold on to them whatever good things that remain before you fell into sin find them and strengthen them start from there don't try to start from all the way in square one doing all the other things that you've done in the past, what Jesus is saying here is strengthen what remains and is about to die. Look on your life. See what things are starting to fall apart. See what areas of your life are still doing well. Hold on to them and continue on many in the church in that church in the church of Sardis had fallen deeply into sin but Jesus calls them to grasp onto the good things for you what is the one or two things that you did well for the lord hang on to them strengthen them or those things will perish as well and the third command is to remember verse 3 says remember then what you received and heard remember what you received remember what you heard look God doesn't mess around there's a reason why you are here listening to this sermon today there's a reason why you are in this place at this time in this moment it is for you to hear the word of God right now is for you to hear these words It's not meant for your partner is not meant for your friend is not meant for the person next to you this word is meant for you there's a reason why you are hearing this sermon in this season of your life you are receiving this specific word because God wanted you to hear it so receive it hear it and remember it guard the things that God has told you before Remember the truths that he has spoken to you. Do not forget it. And lastly, Jesus says to keep it and repent. Another word for keep is to obey. Obey and repent. Go back to when you were on fire for the Lord. Go back to when you understood and knew what God was doing within your life. Look at how your theology was then. Look how your theology is today and fix your theology. Fix your understanding of the gospel. Fix those things so that you can go before the Lord. Don't get swayed by how the world thinks or what your friends say, but trust in the gospel and listen to it turn away from sin the world is going to say so many different things and it will always change its mind but here's the thing we believe in a God that does not change we believe in a God who is the same God of Abraham of Jacob and Isaac we believe in a God who has done all of those miracles who have done all of those things who have proclaimed all of those promises and guess what those promises are still true true for us today amen how beautiful is that that's our god that's the the power and the foundation of the bible the world is going to shake the world is going to go back and forth but man our foundation is in the word of god that has stayed true from the beginning of the age and will not change even to infinity turn away from sin Pray to the Lord, and he will listen and respond. And at the end, Jesus has this word for us. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. You see, citizenship, we know, is, is really important today, right? But it meant everything back then. If you had Roman citizenship, your life was, well, it was set. You would receive so many benefits and opportunities and if you weren't a Roman citizen, then you were punished for it and there was a clear limit to what you could achieve. Now what was interesting was that every Roman citizen's name was meticulously written down at birth and kept in a ledger to make sure that they kept an account of all of the Roman citizens that were there. However even though it was so vitally important at the end of that person's life when that person passed away their name would be erased from that ledger. No matter how powerful you were no matter how rich you were no matter what things that you had accomplished in that life even though you were a Roman citizen your name would be written out it would be erased from that ledger. But Jesus tells us that for those who are true believers in him, your name will never be erased from eternal life. That when you are a true believer of his, that when you understand the gospel, that when you understand sin, and that when he is your Lord and Savior, then your citizenship is not in a place here that can be erased when you die, but it is forever in the book of life in heaven where it can never ever be erased and that when you die that's simply the start because you will be with your lord and savior you will be in heaven where there is no pain where there is no death where there is no sickness and you will be where you belong because when you believe in jesus christ as your personal savior and lord you are no longer a citizen of rome You are no longer a citizen of the U.S. or of Korea or of anywhere here. You are a citizen of God. You are a son and daughter of the Lord Most High. And that's the greatest thing that could possibly happen. Amen. Let's pray.